Today we're going to start a journey through two ancient books of the Bible in the Old Testament that are called Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. They're often referred to as the wisdom writings in the Bible. They're part of the wisdom writings. And today we're going to go through the what, the where, and the why of wisdom. And then starting next week, we're going to dive into some of the wise sayings and statements that these books contain. But let's jump right into it. First of all, the what of wisdom. The dictionary defines wisdom as this, the ability to apply good judgment and understanding to any situation. The ability to apply good judgment and understanding to any situation. I agree with that, but wisdom is actually far more than that. Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples to pray, said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so wisdom is the ability to skillfully live out the life that God wants us to have, the life that we're going to have for all eternity, the kind of life on earth that actually ushers heaven to earth. So wisdom directs us into making good decisions about every aspect of our life, our family life, our sex life, our financial life, our social life, our business life, every part of our life, even our thought life. Wisdom is far different than common sense, though. I've got to tell you that. Common sense is like Wisdom 101. It's the shallow end of the wisdom pool. It's the basics. It's the stuff that almost everybody on this planet understands. That's the word common. It's stuff like don't stick a fork in the light socket or don't stick a fork in your eye. Don't run with scissors. Don't squat with your spurs on. That's some cowboy wisdom for you. (laughs) Don't spit into the wind. Don't go between a bear and her cubs. All those kind of things. That's common sense. Wisdom goes beyond common sense. In fact, the word wisdom comes from the root word weed, which means to see. So wisdom is the ability to see what's right and good and true and healthy in any situation of our life, even the non-common ones, all right? Wisdom is also different than intelligence. This is why you'll see highly educated, extremely intelligent people doing or saying the stupidest things. I think of Twitter often when I think about this, okay? Twitter's a world I'm just really not that fond of because every once in a while you'll read a tweet and you'll think to yourself, you thought that? You actually thought that. And then you thought it would be a good idea to put it out there in the universe for every person on the planet to know you're so smart, you're so educated, and you have zero wisdom. Because wisdom would tell you, keep that thought to yourself, because it's creepy, okay? In the Bible, this is how wisdom is defined. First of all, it's old. Look at Proverbs chapter 8. We're, you know, getting a little ahead of ourselves. But it says this, the Lord brought me forth. This is wisdom talking. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. Okay, I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. So that's fairly old, okay? In our modern world, we're constantly about the next new thing, the next new fad, the next new hairstyle, the next cool new phone, the next hot new song. Wisdom isn't about the new thing. It's about the old thing. You see, wisdom is old, really old, older than time, which is cool because that means wisdom is not is 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 not like a fad. Wisdom is about what's always been true. It's about what's always been right. It's about what always has been good. To connect to wisdom is to connect to the ancient, the steady, the solid, the lasting. It's never going to be a fad. It's never going to go away. Second thing, wisdom is defined in the scripture as a woman. The Hebrew word for wisdom is actually chokmah, 
which is a, a feminine word. That's why in the wisdom writings, when you read through the books of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, wisdom is often personified as a woman. Now, most of the women in here, I totally know what you're thinking. You're going, of course wisdom's personified as a woman because women naturally have more wisdom than men. I actually can't argue that, okay? As a married man, wisdom itself tells me not to argue that point, okay? But here's a verse about it so you can see what I'm talking about. This is out of Proverbs chapter 4. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, okay? Though it costs all you have, get understanding, all right? Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. So there it is. Wisdom is a woman. And thirdly, wisdom is defined as being loud. In the wisdom writings, wisdom is yelling at us. It's shouting at us from the rooftop. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. There's she again. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. Okay? Now, this is kind of interesting to me that um, wisdom is so loud. Wisdom is calling out, and it's trying to, trying to get our attention because wisdom wants to help us. Wisdom wants to show us how to live. And there's, check this out. There's a reason wisdom is so loud. That phrase, calls aloud, when you study that phrase, it actually means shouts for joy. So here's this picture of Lady Wisdom. She's on the rooftop. She's calling out to us. She's trying to get our attention, almost annoyingly so. She just won't quit screaming at us, but there's a reason for it. She wants us to follow her because she's going to lead us into a life not just of wisdom, but into a life of joy. So that's how wisdom is defined in the scriptures. Now let's move on to the where. So wisdom sounds pretty cool, but that begs the question, where can we get us some of this, okay? First of all, there's a lot of sources. First of all, scripture. Look at Psalm 19.7. Look what this says about wisdom. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The Bible, I read the Bible, my main priority in reading the Bible is because the Bible helps me to collide into the presence of Jesus. That's why I read the Bible. But there's a, there's a great side effect of the Bible. It's chock full of wisdom. And the world lacks wisdom, and you can get a lot of it just by reading the Bible. It's full of wise sayings. It's full of wise concepts and ideas. The second place you can get wisdom is parents. Look at Proverbs chapter 1. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Now, I realize that some of us, some of you in this room, do not have parents who have offered you a lot of wisdom in your life. I get that. So you're thinking, I can't get any wisdom from my parents. Yes, you can, because you can get wisdom from their bad example. <laughs> okay, now let me explain this. Some of you have parents where you've looked at their life and you've thought to yourself, Look how they're acting. Look how they're talking. Look how they're treating others. Look how they're living. That's not working well for them. So instead of doing that, I'm going to do this. You got wisdom from your parents through their bad example. So at least you got that going for you, okay? Thirdly, you can get wisdom from other wise people. Some people just ooze wisdom and do not fall into this trap. Please hear me on this. Don't fall into the trap that you can only receive wisdom from people who are Christians. That is absolutely, positively, not even close to being true. 
Wisdom is a gift to us ultimately from God. It doesn't matter where the sources are or who the sources are. You can get wisdom from people who claim to be a follower of Jesus. You can get wisdom from people who don't want anything to do with Christianity, organized religion, or Jesus. Wisdom is ultimately from God. You can get it from a variety of sources. Let me give you a few wise people and what they said. The first is a guy named Omar Khayyam. He says this, Be happy for this moment. This moment is your life. That, obviously that hit me a lot harder than it hit you, but that is an incredibly wise saying because it's saying, don't live in the future, that's all about anxiety, and don't live in the past, that's all about regret oftentimes. Live in the present, in the now, because all we really have is the now. Be present and available to yourself in your own life. That's so great. The second one's from a mystic poet that I enjoy called Rumi. And he says this, this one's deep, so you're going to really have to think through this with me. There is a secret medicine given only to those who hurt so hard they can't hope. The hopers would feel slighted if they knew. Yeah, think about that one later. It'll hit you, okay? The third one's from a bishop named Callistus Ware. He says this, true faith is a constant dialogue with doubt. And God, for God is incomparably greater than all our preconceptions about him. So I love that. That's so wise. People think, oh, faith means having no doubt. No, 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 no. Faith means you dance with doubt every day of your life. It's a very wise statement. And the last one is from a guy named Frederick Beekner. Read every book he's ever written. Do yourself a favor, okay? I've actually used this in the sermon, but I'm going to repeat it to you because it's just so wise. He talks about what does the grace of God mean? Because you hear that phrase, God's grace or amazing grace all the time. He says, The grace of God means something like this. Here is your life. You might never have been, but you are because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen, but don't be afraid. God is with you. That is an incredibly wise statement, okay? So you can get wisdom from people all over the place in all walks of life. Fourthly, you can get wisdom from Jesus himself. Look at Colossians chapter 2 and what it says. My goal is that they might be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they might know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So here's Jesus. In him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Have you ever noticed in this life there are so many things that rub off on us, okay? They just rub off on us. The first thing I thought of was accents. If you've ever been around a person who talks with a southern accent, 20 minutes after being with them, you're talking in a southern accent, and even if you don't want to, you can't help yourself. It rubs off on you. Germs rub off on you from other people. I actually had a dream the other night. You know I'm a bit of a germaphobe. I had a dream. I woke up from it. I told my wife, I dreamt that we went to a movie and I went into the movie with one of those, like, you know, containers of Lysol wipes, and I wiped my entire movie theater chair and all the little buttons that operate the recliner and everything, and then I sat in the chair. And then I woke up, and I thought to myself, no kidding you, ooh, cool dream, because that to me seems like a pretty decent idea, okay? Because germs rub off on us. They just do. Bad habits rub off on us. And even sweat, I play basketball and some guys are just sweaters and you guard them and they bump into you and it's just disgusting. But with Jesus, what rubs off on us 
when we're in his presence and we're, when we're involved in his teachings is his wisdom because in him is the fullness of wisdom and knowledge and it rubs off on us. And lastly, here's an extremely unusual place where you think you, you wouldn't be able to get wisdom, but you can. I want to read Psalm 111, verse 10. Look what it says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts, his truth, have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. So this is saying that a place where we can get wisdom is actually the fear of the Lord. All of us have been around things that are good in our life, like chocolate or waterfalls, or combine them, chocolate waterfalls. Have you seen those things? Okay, those are good. Sunsets, beautiful pictures of nature, epic movies, okay, good friends, those are all good. We've also been around things that are scary, scary situations, heights, dentists, clowns, whatever you're afraid of, okay? We've been around that. God is this unusual combination of both scary and good. You can more accurately say, God is so good, it's scary. That's who he is. To behold God is to be in awe of him. It's to fear him in a healthy way with this deep respect and reverence. And that fear, that awe, is the place where we get wisdom. Please hear me on this. This verse is telling us that that wisdom comes from us comes to us rather when we are connected to something much larger than ourselves there is no wisdom in pride there is no wisdom in selfishness there's no wisdom in narcissism there's no wisdom in this defiant self-reliance that some people seem to live their life in but wisdom is found in the awe of god and we even know this to be true by the actual order of the books of the bible When you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that the book of Psalms comes before the book of Proverbs. Psalms, if you've never read through it, we've done a study on it before, is this, it's all blood, sweat, and poetry. It's just these collections of people's rants and and ravings and psalms and poems and people pouring out their heart to God. It's so raw and real, I just love it. And mostly it's full of people offering their adoration, their worship, and their praise to God. And Psalms comes before Proverbs because that says something to us. It says, yes, Psalms comes before Proverbs because worship always comes before wisdom. Wisdom is birthed out of awe. And the order of the Bible even tells us that. Okay, now we're going to move on to the last thing, the why of wisdom. Why do we need wisdom? There are so many reasons. And the first is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Pain avoidance. We have all had moments... Moments where we've looked back on something we said or did or been involved in and we've thought to ourselves, what was I thinking? In fact, I was just with a group of people and I asked them to answer that question. When was your what was your thinking moment? And it was hilarious to hear their comments. But I actually want to show you a picture I got on a website and it's people that have taken pictures of other people and the tagline is always, what were they thinking? Okay, look at picture number one. Let's put that one up there. She, this is during the eclipse, oh my gosh, and she gets up on a step still thinking, I can see it better from up here, two feet higher, okay? What was she thinking? Let's go to the second picture. This person didn't want to lose the keys to their padlock, so they locked them, yeah, okay, what were they thinking? You're not going to be able to get those off of there now. The third one, she's filling up the air pressure in her tire with a fire extinguisher, That's not going to work. What are you thinking, okay? The fourth one. 
<laughs> you go to Ikea, you don't know how big those shelves are going to be, right? <laughs> okay, and you got a tiny car. What are you thinking? And then this person, I'm sick of waiting in line. I'll just cut through the wet concrete to get out of there. And I think, do we have one more or was that it? There's one more? Oh, this dude. <laughs> yeah, save the best for last. I'll just tie down this quad. I don't want it to go anywhere. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Now, I got to tell you, wisdom is not going to keep us from those occasional brain burps we have where we do something ridiculous, silly, or foolish. That's just part of life. But wisdom will keep us from living a lifestyle of constant bad choices that fill our life with pain and regret and remorse. Proverbs chapter 2 says, discretion will protect you and understanding or wisdom will guard you. Second reason why we need wisdom is health. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. I know I got a lot of verses for you today. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Okay? Participating in evil, sinful behavior won't just affect your thought life and your emotions and your relationships. It'll actually affect your body. That's because we are holistic beings. We're body, mind, soul, and spirit all wrapped into one package. And what that means is sin can actually make you sick. Check out Psalm 38. It says, my bones have no soundness because of my sin. The psalm writer is saying, sin is actually making me sick. It's making my body sick, and it can do that. We've all done bad things, and the remorse, the shame, the guilt, the pretense makes you feel sick, doesn't it? Wisdom will keep you away from a sickness of soul that will affect your body. And lastly, we need wisdom because of heart care. When you read through the books of Psalms, I mean through the books of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, you're going to be astounded how often the phrase, the heart, is mentioned. And the heart isn't our ticker, it's not our blood pump, it's the core of who we are. And it's believed to be the seat of our intentions and our emotions, the the place where our, our decisions and our motives come from. But it's also believed to be the seat of the emotions. And that's what I want to focus on today. Wisdom helps us to have a healthy relationship with our heart, a healthy relationship with our emotions, which is not easy. Check out this verse out of Proverbs chapter 14. Even in laughter, the heart may ache and rejoicing may end in grief. This verse tells us something super important about ourselves. Every one of us in this room is a non-dualistic emotional being. And I'm going to have to explain that phrase because you might not know what that means. Most people practice what is called dualistic thinking. They think something is black or white. It's good or bad. It's right or wrong. It's this or it's that. That's dualistic thinking. But this verse informs us that our hearts don't operate in that way. We can be this and that, can't we? Especially with our emotions. Think about it. Today, I am happy because I'm with you. Being with you, I love my job. I love being a pastor. I love being here on Sunday mornings. It makes me very happy. So I'm experiencing happiness. But at the same time, in this same day, the same time and space, I also have things that are making me feel angry. I'm angry at how long it's going to take them to fix the bridge. Two years. Are you kidding me? Okay, they fixed all the bridges in Alaska after the earthquake in three days. Three days. It takes us two years. I'm mad about some of the the leaders, the people in power in our world and the decisions they're making. It just makes me angry what they're doing, what they're saying, how they're treating other people in other countries. makes me mad. I'm sad. 
one of my friends lost a dear friend of his, a loved one, and that makes me sad. I'm, I'm heartbroken for them, and the memorial service is coming soon, and it just breaks my heart. I'm even afraid about a few things, okay? Opposite emotions can exist in the same time and place. I've told you many times before that I love doing funerals. I know that sounds sick and wrong, but it's not. It's such an honor to be invited into somebody else's pain. It's such an honor. And when I do funerals, you'd think there's just weeping the whole time. Not even close to the truth, at least not the funerals I'm participating in. It's tears, but it's also lots of raucous laughter and smiles and hugs. It's wonderful. Joy and sorrow inhabiting the very same space and time. We have to understand there's this complexity to our hearts. We have lots of feelings at the same time, and none of them are bad. They're neutral. They're just feelings. And wisdom tells us, look at those feelings. Look at all of those feelings, okay? And ask them, what are you telling me? Feelings, what are you telling me about myself or about my life? Now, the problem here is some well-meaning Christians, this has happened in my life. Oh, it just drives me crazy. Some well-meaning Christians are going to come up to you and say, you're really only, if you're following Jesus and you're doing it right, you're really only supposed to experience the pleasant emotions. If you're experiencing things like fear, anger, rage, depression, or sorrow, or anxiety, then you're not doing it right. There's something wrong with you. Your faith is faulty. This is just poppycock or whatever word you want to use, okay? There is nothing wrong with us when we're experiencing a broad range of emotions. There is something right with us. We're being honest and we're being human instead of being some Bible misquoting robot, okay? But I got to tell you, when you start diving into your emotions, and any counselor will tell you this, especially when you examine some of the ones you're unfamiliar with and, and there might be labeled unpleasant, it can be a little messy and a little frightening. It's kind of like going through a dumpster looking for a treasure without gloves on. (laughs) Okay, that's what it feels like, which is why one author, I read this recently, this is so great, one author said this to his counselor when he was examining some unpleasant emotions. He said to his counselor, we only get so many moments in life, why should I spend them on feelings that don't feel good? (laughs) That is so right, I can totally relate to that. Well, I'll tell you why, because if we don't examine the emotions that we consider to be unpleasant or maybe even are labeled bad, we'll usually end up projecting them onto other people. We will look down on the people who remind us of the things we are uncomfortable with in ourselves. Look at what this guy said. I love this guy, Francis Buford. He said this, people hate others who are acting as creepy as we fear the mess would be beyond, beneath our own mask of virtue. So here we have this pretend social media self, okay? And it's a perfect golden boy or gold girl image. And he goes, man, we get mad at others. We even hate them that are acting as creepy as we know we really are if we took our mask off, all right? And that's true. We get mad at people who are honest about their own ick and mess in their life and because that way, if we're mad at them, we don't have to look at our own ick and mess. Think about that. It's so true. We all have people that annoy us, right? We have people that bug us. They might even be sitting next to you. I don't know, okay, or sitting around you. But you have people in your life that just annoy the heck out of you, that as soon as they come into the room, your skin's crawling. You're just going, oh, the room just got darker, okay? Because they bug you, and you don't hate them much, okay? You don't really hate them. They just bug you. You just don't like to be around them. What is it that gets under your skin about them? 
I don't really know, but chances are, chances are, what gets under your skin about them is what most terrifies you about yourself. They remind you of the things that you're trying to not deal with or keep hidden. Here's some, something else to take note of. If we don't project our unpleasant emotions on others, we tend to do this. We store them. We stuff them down. I did this for years in my life. We stuff down our uncomfortable feelings into the deep, hidden, dark recesses of our heart, and we forget all about them until something happens that brings them rushing out into the surface, and they explode out of there in an uncontrollable fashion. This explains road rage, doesn't it? I mean, somebody pulls in front of you, and they how dare they pull in front of me and go two miles an hour slower than I was currently going. They actually made me lift my foot that much. Okay, how dare they? And we explode into this barrage of profanity and middle finger waving. Okay, what's really happening there is some emotions that you'd stuff down and refuse to look at. They they just kind of pick the scab, and out they come in an uncontrollable rush. No wonder, okay, this verse is in the Bible. Look at James chapter 5, 16. This is wisdom. Oh my gosh, this verse is wise. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I used to read that and think, no way, not doing it. I know it's in the Bible. I'm going to pretend it's not. I'm going to confess all of my faults and failures and uncomfortable feelings to, to God. I'll do that, okay? But I'm not going to confess that to other people. It's too risky. They'll reject me for it. And now as I got older, I realized it's too risky not to confess that stuff to other people. So I do it. I confess so much of what's going on in my life, not everything, some are just between God and I, but I confess so much of my uncomfortable feelings and my faults and failures to a counselor and to trusted people in my life. I have one guy I meet with every week, and we call it Say It All Tuesday, and he'll ask me, how are you doing? And I'm not allowed to edit my life. I just go, I'm doing this, and I just, and I did this. I can't believe I did this. What was I thinking? And blah, and I just verbally vomit on him, and it's wonderful. And it truly is like vomit. It's like confessing to somebody is like really healthy vomit because it gets everything that's inside of me out so I can examine it and repent of the wrong stuff and also examine and deal with and work through my emotions instead of being controlled by my emotions or projecting them onto others. And in that process, I am set free from this life of pretense and shame. It's great. So wisdom never tells us, just experience the pleasant emotions. Don't worry, be happy. Kind of a catchy song, total garbage, okay, as far as the lyrics are concerned. Don't just try to be happy all the time and not worry, not experience unpleasant emotions. That's not a reality. That'll just lead you to a life of neurosis, okay? Wisdom says, look at your emotions, feel them, think about them, talk to them, Learn, talk to them about, you know, with others. Learn from them and accept this fact that you're going to experience many different emotions during a day. Oftentimes you'll experience them at the same time in the same place. It's not this or that. It's this and that. That's how our heart works. Okay, so that's your introduction to wisdom today. And next week we'll actually dive into the books. But let me pray for us, can I?